Douglas in our TeachNet podcast. And today our title is Ensuring We Use Our Data Wisely in Education. And I'm delighted to be joined by a very old friend of mine, uh, Cyril Drury, who is the Data Protection Advisor with the JMB. Cyril, you're very welcome. Thank you, Michael. And Cyril, I was just mentioning at the outset, I was just taking your name in vain recently on a CESI podcast, reflecting back to the good old days when you and I worked together on the first digital strategy for schools. So we've known each other a long time. A long time for sure. Yeah. So Cyril, today we're going to talk about data and we're going to talk about using it wisely in education. And I suppose we're going to start at a very high level. You know, what are the things we need to think about when we are having this discussion in our schools? And it's a very exciting time, many would feel, in education. Our own Department of Education recently, it was earlier this year now, uh, published the new digital strategy for schools, the latest in a long line of strategies that are seen as quite progressive across Europe. Also, we at a European level, we have the European Digital Education Action Plan. And there has been a lot of uh, media interest recently in things like AI and particularly it's a lot of hype around a thing called chat GPT and how these tools might impact education and and a lot of the focus actually is going to be on these tools that will help us in education but there are other things we need to think about and when you hear about all of this excitement what do you think of what are the things we need to think about I suppose the, the first thing that that comes to mind Michael it, when new tools arrive on the scene, I suppose, in a sense, there's I, I, there's nothing new under the sun. We've always been talking about you and I in our conversations over, over the years, but in education generally about um, looking at new technologies and being interested in what the potential is in terms of supporting teaching and learning. And I suppose we've always had as well as sort of an interest and an enthusiasm for that potential. We've always been conscious as well about the need that uh, that is done in an ethical manner. So I suppose in terms of the role I'm doing at the moment, it's specifically looking at supporting schools in terms of the the use of data, personal data, and uh, making sure that is used in an ethical manner. And we set that in in the framework, I suppose nearly every school now has a, a data protection policy, which sets it provides a legal framework for the use of personal data. So I suppose that's the starting point for me is where, where somebody comes to me and, and says, um, we're thinking of using this particular tool. What should I be conscious of? I say, well, you probably have a policy in school that provides a starting point for that. And I suppose, sir, just to, go, to build on that point, I mean, there is a lot of hype, as I say, both uh, positive and negative around all of this at the moment. But we have a long history of data, collecting data in our schools, uh, on our students. and. Uh, We've always in our schools been mindful of data, irrespective of the format, whether that was on paper or now when it's in a digital format. That's true, Michael. Of course, when I started, I'm not sure you're a few years younger than me, but certainly when I started, all of our data was in the school. I was probably in a filing cabinet and I suppose that the desktop PC arrived then. And so maybe some of our data was now digital. But it rarely moved outside the school. Occasionally, we shared some of it with the Department of Education and others, as set out by the various uh, requirements and circulars and everything else and the legal frameworks that are that are there around that. But now, of course, a lot of our data is in the cloud, and there are a lot more entities involved 
in accessing that data and providing services to the school and some of those services relate to teaching and learning and there are, so there are service providers there who are, maybe are offering particular learning tools and uh, and obviously they're, they're there uh, there are benefits associated with those uh, we'd have seen this recently when we dealt with covid and you know how well our schools responded in terms of adapting to deal with remote teaching and learning and using some of the tools that are there to to assist with that and we wouldn't have been able to deliver or it would have been very difficult to deliver remote teaching and learning effectively without use of those tools but that involved certainly some data being shared with those entities as, as part of that process yeah i mean I think i think that's a really good starting point because yeah there was some i remember there were actually particular uh, articles uh, about zoom in particular and about some of the challenges there do you want to say a little word about how what that was and how we got around it and mm. what were the work throughs? Because I think there are probably parallels. You know, a lot of people did engage with those tools during, uh, you know, the video conferencing tools during COVID-19. Also, people use learning management systems. I mean, there's many platforms out there, just to name a few. There's Moodle, there's Teams, there's Google Classroom. And, you know, what are some of the things maybe they should be thinking about when they're using these for good? I suppose, yeah, taking the example of Zoom, I mean, of course, it wasn't the only game yes. in town in terms of, as you as you well know, but it was it was one that probably that seemed to get, uh, uh, as you say, a lot of the media coverage and the Zoom bombing or lesson bombing sort of phenomenon where sometimes classrooms had un- unwelcome visitors or I- interruptions. That was w- one example. And I suppose, so there was uh, like the starting point for using any uh, of those tools is a risk assessment. I mean, that's that's where we're steered towards in terms of what, that's actually what we're required to do by by GDPR. Anytime we yes. process uh, somebody's data, use somebody's data, students' data, teachers' data, parents' data, we should be thinking about the risks associated with that. Yes. And that's what good practices. And indeed, you know, that predates technology. And schools generally have been pretty good and been conscious of when data is sensitive, when we need to be careful about it, when it's confidential, you know, sharing information on a need-to-know basis and all of that. So in thinking about where the risks are, that's that's the starting point. You know, when a new tool comes along uh, and like we, suddenly schools found themselves during COVID being forced to, you know, come up with solutions uh, yes. uh, because the risk uh, was that, that, you know, learning wouldn't continue effectively. So naturally, people adopted particular tools to try and address uh, those concerns. I suppose what I felt looking at that, Michael, was yes, there are, there are certain risks associated. With, as we saw them, they were you know they were evident in some cases. Now, obviously, there was a lot of I suppose there was a certain amount of hype because yes. I suppose the number of those incidents w- was not significant in, in terms of the overall scheme of things. Yes. But at the same time, obviously, um, uh, any one incident, that, you know, is something that's extremely unwelcome in terms of uh, its, you know, interruption on, on on what should be a very safe environment, the classroom environment. But I suppose you put that against the risks with no learning happening at all, but people decide, okay, there's some risk there, so I'm not going to proceed with learning. And the impact of that on children, you know, being being disenfranchised not being able to continue with learning and, and the and the you know the impact on them into the future yes. so we ha- we have to be i suppose that perspective is very important number 1 and then the second thing i would say is that those who are providing services or providing tools that may be used in in schools 
they really should be thinking about two things. And GDPR, this is actually part of uh, the GDPR landscape. Data protection by design and data protection by default, or privacy by design and privacy by default, they're sometimes referred to as. Privacy by default means that with most, with a, with a lot of these tools, there are, you know, there are settings um, that determine how open the environment is. The environment can be locked down to make it a lot more secure in terms of who can, who can access it. That, you know, people very quickly learned around how to control the tools that they were using because I suppose we are conscious of, oh, there's a risk here yes. and uh, we need to lock it down. Now, I think it would be great if those who provide the tools actually, when, when they're made available to us, that the settings are by default privacy. And in other words, to, to make them more open, we have to actually t- toggle things on. And so if, if that makes sense. And then the privacy by design, so that's privacy by default. Uh, yeah. And then privacy by design means that uh, this goes back a little step earlier. When you're designing tools that yeah. are going to be used in a, a particular environment, in a school environment, you think uh, at the start of the design of those about how do I actually build in privacy as a part of the design rather than having to afterwards retrospectively, oh, discover there's a gap here. And now I try and address the gap. And, and very often it's more expensive to address it after, sure. afterwards rather than at the start. Yeah, I think that's I think that way you frame that is very um, I think it's very good for people. Um, and I actually I, had, I hadn't thought about the whole risk piece during COVID actually weighing up risks. And it's, a, you know, it's about balancing. I'm hearing the word balance here. Pragmatic, I suppose, would be another word, you know, that. Yes, maybe there were some challenges with the tools initially and they were worked through over time, but that needed to be counterbalanced against the possibility that our students were deprived of any connection and any education. So there were issues around um, equality and inclusion Mm. there that needed to be addressed. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that going on then to talk about the companies, and, and again, I notice it more and more now, and I'm probably becoming more conscious of it myself, you know, I'm asked how much, you know, do I want to share data with various apps and my phone in particular, mm. etc. And, you know, sometimes uh, in the early days, I remember, I won't name the platforms, but they were open and you had to go back in afterwards and, and shut things down if you yeah. wanted to. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, and I suppose question, Cyril, mm. because some of the tools we're using in education or could use in education were never designed for education. I mean, this goes back to when you and I started, mm. uh, we were using tools that were built for a business and we brought mm. them into our classrooms. This whole idea of transparency and, you know, if we're not sure around the settings or what's happening with data, what data is being collected, you know, or if we're not sure what platform is doing with the data from our teachers and our students and our parents, what would you suggest is a good way to move forward on that? If schools are using a particular product or a solution, whatever phraseology you want to put on it, again, this there, there is actually a, a legal framework that governs that under, under GDPR. If there's personal data that's been collected and used. And so that's that legal framework is called it's called a, a data processing agreement. GDPR Article 28 sets out a particular set of guarantees that have to be provided to the school around that sets out things like um, that, the, that the data will be managed securely, that the people who work for the service provider have been trained in privacy, that if a breach occurs, 
that they will inform the school who are the data controller and so on. And that's uh, very important that that uh, sort of legal agreement is in place. And um, again, that's something in, in my role as uh, advisor with the JMB, you know, available to our schools where uh, when, when they are entering into those sort of agreements to offer comment around around that. And it also, I suppose, uh, sets out that schools need to be informed about where the where the data is going and who, you know, in other words, if it's moving outside the European economic area, then schools need to know about that. If it's being shared with other processors, because most of these solution providers are are themselves using other solution providers, and there's yes. a kind of a chain associated with that. So it's very important that is uh, tied down. And schools need to know this information because we are supposed to inform parents and students in our policies to set out who we share the data with. And if the data happens to be moving out your, outside Europe, what safeguards are in place? So if, if that's one, one thing I would say to a, to a teacher who's, who's listening to this today, if you're using a particular tool and it's going to collect personal data, maybe that the tool is, you know, is not, perhaps there's no data going to be shared, you know, it's, but if it's uh, most, most are collecting personal data in some way, uh, you know, personal data, simply data that can be linked with a student, an identifier of some sort then there's a processing agreement that should be in place. And you suppose school is the entity who needs to sign up to that, if you like, with the service provider. So that, that would be, that's important. And that transparency piece around that is important. And that's, I suppose, that provides some, some safeguards to the school and you know, to, the, uh, to students, to parents, to teachers. So make sure that that processing agreement is in place. Yeah. Yeah, you've just triggered a very interesting. Yeah, I think that's very that's very interesting. And you've mentioned GDPR, and we'll just come to that in a moment. But am I right? And when I'm hearing you now, that if I am using a platform in a school with that is collecting data on students and teachers, therefore, as an entity, the school should have a policy in place. And what kind of a policy? I'm just curious. Should that be? What should they be doing in the school? And if somebody's listening to this and saying, "Oh, golly, I don't know if I have this," you know, that they can go off maybe and check. Uh, hmm. to see that they do have it. That policy is, is probably the data protection policy. And your data protection policy is supposed to identify any recipients of data that has been processed by the school. So, for example, it will list uh, recipients or, or any entities that we share the school's yep. data with. So it could be the Department of Education. Yes. Uh, they're a recipient and they're a, a, what's called a data controller in their own right. But then it could also be, let's say we're using uh, Microsoft Office or we're using yeah. the Google uh, solution for schools. Yes. They're also going to be recipients of the school's data. So they should be identified as well. And they're going to be what are known in data protection terms of processors. So that's number one, making sure that these entities are identified. And we either identify them by name or we identify them by task. In other words, mm -hmm. we, we, uh, we say they're, they're the we, we may not name them specifically, but we, we should have them described as a, in terms of the category, because sometimes good practice is actually both. We're using, gotcha. um, the, we're using this particular entity and to, and to name them. So that's transparency. So if I'm a, a student or a parent, I can see who my data is going to, uh, number one. So if I'm a teacher, I could check and see, well, that we, if we're using a particular product, check that they're identified, number one. 
And number two, check that we've got this processing agreement in place between the school and them. And as part of the processing agreement, by the way, that the uh, entity should be providing guarantees about how they're keeping this, the data secure. So this is one of my bugbears is that I think that the service providers actually could do a lot more generally. Now, there's a generalization here and some, some are doing you know, a lot. But in my experience, there are gaps there. I think they could be doing a lot more to provide reassurance to schools around the sort of security measures they have in place, number one, and being clear around where where the data is flowing after they get it. If the data happens to be moving outside Europe, for example, or if they're sharing it with other entities, that greater transparency is needed by them around that. And that would help schools greatly because and schools have that responsibility that transparency piece good yeah and i know from other events and things that i've been reading and listening to that there is quite a lot of activity in other eu countries particularly the netherlands actually around a lot of these areas Mm. and so Mm. that's that's very that's that's really good advice and i do think if any of the service providers are listening that they should be more transparent i think was the word you used on what is happening with the data but sir I'm nearly coming to the end, and I, you mentioned GDPR. Now, GDPR, it's mentioned a lot. From your perspective, how would you describe it, and what's its main role in this area for our schools and for citizens, both in teachers, parents, and, of course, the most important people, students? So I, I see GDPR as, as a framework that should help to provide clarity in terms of how we operate ethically in this area. Its aims are twofold. One, it provides a set of rights for data subjects, students, teachers, parents, and others. And secondly, it puts a set of responsibilities on those who, who use the data. Um, there can be the school, the Department of Education, or any of those service providers we talked about. But that set of responsibilities uh, and the clarity that GDPR provides, the framework it provides, actually also helps us to do business, if you like. We now know a way of operating and how we should be operating. Now, I know there's, you know, there's a lot of debate at GDPR and the gaps in various areas and the fact that it doesn't provide answers to every question and so on. But at the same time, it does provide clarity in a lot of areas. And actually, you know, think, I, I look at privacy by default and privacy by design. We, I started yes, talking yes. about these. Yes, yes. And they are actually built into GDPR, and yet there, there's a lot, I, I see gaps in terms of how a lot of those who are service providers in the area, and I'm sorry if, you, if you're a service provider and feel I'm pointing the, the finger at you a little bit, but if they sort of use those a, a lot more as a starting point, because, I mean, they're really good principles. I mean, privacy by default, just when you're providing a tool, build in privacy and turn all the Turn the settings off and bring, you know, bring them on uh, as appropriate. And actually, if I go back to Zoom, uh, a lot of the problems that were there with, and it wasn't just with Zoom, but with those tools that were used, if the privacy by default uh, had been followed, it wouldn't have been issues. So I point towards that and the privacy by design pieces. They're really good sort of ethical guidelines for, for those who are in the area. And I suppose from the school's perspective, I would say we do have to ask questions. You know, some uh, service providers are, you know, are very conscious of the responsibilities in the area, others less so. And, you know, it may be that they're maybe they're, you know, really focused on what they see as a good solution and getting it out to the market and getting people to use it. 
but at the same time, they need to be cautious about the fact that they are they're using you know children's data, and there are big responsibilities that come with that. So schools do need to. I think schools asking questions and scrutinising if we're sharing the data outside the school, scrutinising the entity that we're sharing the data with, asking them questions. How are you keeping this secure? Who are you, who else are you sharing it with? Are you only using it for our purposes? Are you using you know are you using it for your own purposes? These are really, it's important to ask these questions and uh, it reminds the service providers of their responsibilities. I would encourage people to to think about that. I think that's really, really great advice. And and I mean, I'm, I'm leaving this podcast with a couple of key messages. One is being pragmatic. And I think we'll, you know, again, what you just outlined there is about being pragmatic. But it's this idea, particularly in GDPR, about privacy by default, you know, and we should be looking out for that in the school. And again, not afraid to ask questions. Again, like as we started this conversation, a lot of these tools are being designed and they have the potential to do good. Like the example there of the video conferencing tools during COVID, Mm. maybe they weren't set Mm. for privacy by default initially, but they they did enable Mm. us to continue doing what we wanted to do. So they were being used for good. But, you know, maybe, you know, if we're unsure and rather than saying, oh, no, I'm not going to use it at all and just shut it down. That we need to ask the questions and that we that we need to just have our eyes open all the time and not be afraid to ask questions. What do you yeah. think? I think I think that's very good, Michael. And I think it's it's a good it, it, that's really important. Again, the I think the instincts that those who are working in our schools have, to my mind, are you know very sound in terms yes. of uh, that data management piece. And you know, sometimes very simple questions can you know we don't have to they're not necessarily talking about highly technical highly complex questions but simple questions in terms of the the data sharing piece of what's been done can just uh can can be very helpful in terms of the of uh, ensuring good transparency and good practice but yes it's really important uh you know that we recognize as well that classrooms are about learning we want learning to, to happen and the tools are there in many cases to, you know, facilitate learning in interesting ways. I agree completely. And Cyril, we will put some notes in the, uh, we will put some notes along with the podcast. And I, I know your work is, is with the JMB, but there is a lot of advice out there, isn't there, for schools if they want to, having listened to this, if they wanted to go and just check for further information, where are some of the places they might consider? All of the schools will have advice available to them from their management bodies. So the JMB are there to support the voluntary secondary schools, but the you know the ETB, uh, the, the the primary school management bodies, and so on, yeah. uh, all provide support in this area. The Data Protection Commission, dataprotection.ie. There's uh, a lot of advice available on their website. They have uh, produced. Uh, they're very interested in children's data and the processing of children's data. So they have some good resources there and, ter- and the whole piece of, I mean, we haven't talked today, obviously, in terms of time about digital literacy and children's, teaching children about, about privacy, about good practice on, online in terms of protecting their own privacy, respecting the privacy of others. They're all topics that impact on, on you know, my own work in terms of day-to-day interaction with schools. I know these are live issues that schools are addressing. You, you've given yourself another job there. I think we'll come back to you on the day on the digital literacy specifically, if you don't mind, in the new mm. year, because mm. that is a very live issue within the department at the moment. CAP are actually undergoing a public consultation 
it's just going out. It'll go out um, in, in the in just before Christmas for uh, people to give their views on a new curriculum, you know, or sorry, new policies, not a curriculum, new policies in the area of literacy, numeracy and digital mm. literacy. So mm. I, I think we'll keep that one for mm. for for the new year. Mm. But Cyril, I think that's been a fantastic tour, a positive tour of what we need to think about when we want to ensure that we use our data wisely in education and particularly in our schools. And I want to thank you sincerely for giving us the time today to share your expertise and your wisdom, which is so practical based on many years of working in the school system. So thanks a million, sir. Thank you, Michael. 